podcast of Antioch Church in Colorado Springs. If you've been impacted by this ministry and would like to support the work we're doing in Colorado Springs, you can give online at our website, antiochcos.com. We hope that the Lord ministers to you through this message. All right, and hey, grab your Bibles if you have your Bibles or your phones and turn with me to the book of Luke chapter 24. How many of you are in the mood for a good word today? I'm always in the mood for a good word. Sam looking very sharp. I'm glad you're healthy and alive. (laughs) Glad you're here, man. Been thinking about you. Luke chapter 24. Uh, Let me just, before we actually read the text, uh, for those who might be joining us today for the first time, uh, let me know, let me let you know what's been happening the past couple of weeks. So, Uh, Two weeks ago, uh, we celebrated the resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ on the day that many of us know as Easter. And on that day, on Easter morning, we went through Luke chapter 24, verses 1 through 12. And um, is that two weeks ago, right? Two weeks ago? Yeah. So Luke chapter 24, verses 1 through 12, give one of four accounts of the story of where Jesus, the Son of God, was raised from the dead. And one of the biggest things that we discovered on that day was that most of his closest friends didn't have a clue what was going on, even though Jesus told them multiple times, this is going to happen. Last week, we found, we went back to Luke chapter 24. We hit the middle verses of that chapter and we discovered that some other followers of Jesus were taking a, a walk back home, supposedly from Jerusalem to a place called Emmaus. They were discussing the events that had taken place. They were still perplexed. They were still uh, bewildered and Jesus shows up in the middle of their conversation. They didn't know it was him. He revealed himself through the teaching and preaching of the word. He revealed himself through the breaking of bread uh, at the table, and we discovered that the Holy Spirit was in the middle of all of these interactions. And we also discovered that for today, the Holy Spirit is involved uh, in many of the mediums that we have going on as his church. Today, we're going to finish the book of Luke chapter 24, or the chapter Luke 24, and we're going to read, if you would, with me here, beginning at verse 36, Luke chapter 24, verse 36. How many guys are just on the edge of your seat? While they were still talking about this, Jesus himself stood among them and he said to them, peace be with you. Now, before we read any more, I want you to look for something in the passages that we're gonna read. There's probably just about 10 verses that we're gonna read. And I want you to look for the phrase, he said to them. Can you do that? Just look for it, all right? Because this is number one. He shows up, stands in the middle of them, all right? They're in this this room. Uh, John's account says that they're all afraid because the same guys that killed Jesus are still running loose out there. And now these guys are associated with the band of followers that were connected with the guy who just got executed. So, so they're hanging out in this room. John's account says they were all afraid. Luke's account doesn't say that, but Jesus shows up in this room, right? He just appears. And here's the phrase we're looking for. And he said to them, number one, peace, peace be with you. Let's keep reading. Verse 37, they were startled. They were frightened 
and they thought that they saw a ghost. And he said to them, number two, why are you troubled? Why do doubts rise in your minds? Look at my hands. Look at my feet. It is I myself. Touch me and see a ghost does not have flesh and bones as you see I have. Verse 40. And when he said this, he showed them his hands and his feet. And while they still did not believe it because of joy and amazement, I mean, they were just literally beside themselves. They couldn't believe it. And it's kind of a good thing here. They're saying they were so overwhelmed with joy. They were so amazed that Jesus is here in their midst that they didn't even believe what was going on. So verse 41, keep going. He asked them or he said to them, number three, do you have anything here to eat? Do you have anything here to eat? That's the third thing he said to them. So he took it. They gave him a piece of broiled fish. He took it and he ate it in their presence. Verse 44, he said to them, this is what I told you while I was still with you. Everything must be fulfilled that is written about me in the law of Moses, the prophets, and the Psalms. Verse 45, then he opened their minds so that they could understand the scriptures. And he told them, or he said to them, number five, this is what is written. The Christ will suffer and rise from the dead on the third day. Repentance and forgiveness of sins will be preached in his name to all nations beginning at Jerusalem. You are witnesses of these things. I am going to send you what my father has promised, but stay in the city until you have been clothed with power from on high. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Thank you for your word, Lord. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much that your presence is here today, that your Holy Spirit is alive and active and dynamic and moving and powerful. And thank you for your word that we can go to where we can receive life and we can receive comfort and we can receive direction and encouragement and strength. Father, that we can go to your word and we can receive revelation, that there may be a way that we're living this life that is beneath what you have invited us into, what you have made possible for us. And we go to your word and you open our minds by your spirit and you bring revelation and truth and light. And we see things that we never saw before and things are activated inside of us and the life of your spirit and the life in your kingdom, oh God, begins afresh and anew. And we pray today that all of those things would take place in our midst. And if you can agree with that prayer today, say amen. Awesome. I'll agree with you. Well, today we're going to take a look at these five things that Jesus said when he came back and he revealed himself to the disciples while they were gathered together. Number one, first thing that Jesus says, shows up in their midst. These guys are all freaking out. They're afraid. They're confused. They're uncertain. How many guys have ever been in a situation like that in your life? Any of those emotions? You're afraid, you're insecure about the future. Okay, you're anxious. That's definitely what these guys were going through. Their worldview is being tampered with. Things that they thought were true, they're being questioned. They're a little shaky in their faith and Jesus shows up and here's the first thing that he says. He says, peace be to you. Of all the things that he could have said, the first thing that he says to them is right now, in the middle of your anxiety, in the middle of your insecurity, in the middle of your fear, in the middle of your uncertainty, I'm here to announce and to proclaim to you that everything that I said would happen has happened. 
and that the new reality of life beginning afresh in this kingdom has begun. The end was just the beginning. The resurrection was just the inauguration of a new kingdom that is beginning itself here in this world. And as a result of that, I can say to you, my friends, I can say peace be to you. Now, this is actually something that has followed itself all throughout church history and throughout church liturgies. And in certain churches, they call this the passing of the peace where they will turn to one another and they will do, as we said earlier today, may the peace of the Lord be with you. And I discovered something very interesting as I was just doing a little bit of uh, research on this in terms of other, uh, other, other churches and ecclesial traditions. Uh, I found that they have just as much a problem or an issue with people not really tapping into the meaning and purpose of certain parts of their liturgies as we do. I think it's just common to all of human nature. And so someone wrote this blog and he says, listen, you need to understand that when we turn to one another and we say, may the peace of the Lord be with you and also with you, this particular blogger was, was saying this from the Anglican tradition. He was saying that we are actually making a prophetic declaration of what Christ has begun in his kingdom. I was like, what? Come on, Anglicans. Better get on this. He says, we are making a prophetic declaration that everything that Jesus did in the resurrection and bringing hope and bringing life and bringing peace, when we turn to one another, we are essentially saying everything that Jesus did has been ratified and everything that Jesus has begun is legit and we believe in it. And because of that, we can say peace be to you. Without the resurrection, there's no peace. Without the resurrection, there is no hope of a new kingdom. There is no hope of a new life. There is no hope of a new beginning. All that there is, if there's no resurrection, is complete despair. That everything that I'm struggling through and wrestling through, this is it. This is it and this is all that there will ever be. But because of the resurrection, we can say there's a new world that has begun. And it is a world that is characterized by something that the Old Testament community understood as shalom. So when we announce the peace of the Lord, we're not just making our reference point the resurrection. We're actually reaching back into redemptive history, into the Old Testament Jewish tradition where they understood the word peace as the Hebrew word shalom. And it's a word that we don't really have a good word for in the English language because the word shalom means may the completion of God, may the wholeness of God in your mind in your imagination, how many of you guys, you know, anxiety and depression are things that they, they attack the mind. They keep you up at night and they have those things that just run through your head over and over and over again. And they fill your soul with fear. Shalom is when that is ceased. Shalom is when that completion of God and that, that rest of God fills your mind, but it also fills your emotions and it also fills your bank account. Thank you, Sidron. And it also fills your relationships. And when you are not in good relationship with one another, what do we say? We say we're not at peace with one another, but when shalom enters in to your life, it touches your relationships. And where there is uh, division or where there is friction or where there is uh, animosity, when we say, may the peace of the Lord be with you, we're saying that every relational fracture in your life that you have, relational fractures with you and with God, you know, that's what sin does. 
You see, the world was at shalom when God created it. And that's why every time we see in Genesis chapter one, everything that God did, he said, this is good because it's complete and it's whole and the rest of God is on it and the favor of God is on it and the goodness of God is resting on it. So God just sit back and he says, shalom, shalom, good, good. This is good. But then when mankind chose to defect, that peace was gone. That shalom was interrupted. And the peace that mankind had with God was interrupted. This is why we have guilt. This is why we have shame. This is why man and woman ran from God. This is why they hid from God. This is, this is where uh, uh, these narratives entered into the, the mindsets of humanity that says God is a bad God. He's an angry God. He's a judge. He's, he's, he's mean. He can't be trusted. What is it? That's the absence of shalom. It's the absence of peace. But Jesus, when he came, taking upon him death, sin, and the grave, he says, I'm going to take upon myself that which humanity has put on itself so that mankind and humanity can be at peace again with God so that we don't have to be afraid of him so that we can come into a worship environment and it doesn't matter what we did this week. It doesn't matter what conversations we had with our spouse driving in. It doesn't matter if we maybe blew a gasket. We can say, I can be at peace with God because oh, the blood of Jesus. <laughs> oh, precious is the flow that makes me white as snow. I can be at peace with God. Hebrew says it like this. It says that now there has been a curtain that has been opened up so that we can approach the throne of grace with boldness. Do you know what that is? That's peace. That's peace. That I can be in the presence of the God of the universe and I don't have to be fidgety because I know I belong here. I can be in the presence of the God who judges sin and judges Satan himself. And I can know, even though I've got a checkered past, my mind and my soul and my emotions can be at rest because I belong here. That's called peace. And that's what Jesus came to announce, peace, peace. You have peace now with God because of the resurrection. You have peace now with one another. You can be at peace with one another. In the Anglican liturgy, the passing of the peace comes after the proclamation of the gospel right before the table. And do you know why that is? It's because it is only in the gospel that we have peace with God. But before we come to the table, as we pass the peace, there is space that is created in the Anglican liturgy that says, if you are not at peace with one another, get that right before you come to the table. And in some traditions, they say, listen, we understand that offense enters in. We understand disappointment happens in life. But if you are not in right standing with your brother or sister, don't come to this table. Don't come to this table. Because this table is a table where peace is personified. This table is a table where peace is proclaimed and prophesied. And this table is a table that calls you to peace. So you know, so that so you know that if you have aught with your brother or your sister, in your spirit, forgive and make that right. Or go to them and say, we got some things that we need to talk through, but, but I want you to know I am praying the peace of the Lord be with you. And let us resolve this so that we can come to the table with our hearts and our relationships clean. This is what Jesus proclaimed. This is a new world. And may the peace of the Lord be upon you. May the peace of the Lord be upon your relationship with God, your relationship with one another, and may the peace of the Lord be upon your relationship with yourself. 
the things that we speak against ourselves, the narratives we believe about ourselves. Many of us would say that our heart and our emotions and our soul and our mind and even our physical person is not at peace with itself. Most of the sicknesses that our physical bodies, um, you know, are, are, are riddled with are a result of our mind and our emotions condemning us. They're a result of us harboring resentment, even against ourselves. They're a result of us harboring self-hatred, self-condemnation. It paralyzes us. And Jesus came to announce that in this new kingdom, you can be at peace with yourself. Yes, I know you're not where you want to be at this stage of life, but peace be to you. Yes, I know you saw this working out differently and you were a little disappointed, but peace be to you. Let that peace enter your soul. Let that peace become the filter by which you judge the actions of your life. Let the peace of the resurrection flood you, Antioch. I proclaim over you in the name of Jesus. Here's the second thing that Jesus came and he said. Second thing he said was, look, it's me. I'm not a ghost. But specifically, he said, you can touch and you can see that the resurrected Christ is the same one as the crucified Christ. Now, this is very, very important. The resurrected Christ is the same as the crucified Christ. And here's why this matters. Because in this day, there was, a little, there was a little belief system that was running around that's actually not too foreign to some of the things. It takes on a little bit of a different form and a little bit of a different shape. But there's this elevation of the spiritual that we have in this day and age that they had back then as well. And there was this idea that was creeping around that essentially said that the resurrected Christ was not the same person as the crucified Christ. And the Jesus that we're worshiping is a spirit that came in a new resurrected body who was not the same man who was crucified at the hands of religious leaders. And Jesus came to say, he says, listen, I have a resurrected body, but this resurrected body carries the marks of the crucified Christ. We are one in the same. There is no division. This kind of separation between the spiritual and the material, the spirit and the physical. He says, I'm obliterating all of that because life in God is a life of wholeness. It's not a life of separation. Life in God means that even though I'm suffering, even though I'm struggling, even though things are difficult for me, that the resurrection power that touched Jesus will touch me in my here and now. It will touch me in my here and now. That the resurrection power of Jesus is available in my struggle. God, guys, this is good news. Okay? That the resurrection power of God touched the suffering of Jesus. It doesn't obliterate. It doesn't do away with the suffering of Jesus. It says, I am here for you in the midst of your suffering. And Jesus came to pronounce that. He came to proclaim that. Here's the third thing. Very similar, which I think is very comical. He goes, guys, I'm hungry. <laughs> okay. Five things in Luke's account. Of all the things you could have said. Of all the things that the author would have specifically said. He said this. He said this. He said this. Number three, he goes, guys, I'm hungry. And here's why. 
Here's why. Because Jesus is wanting to address the spiritual secular divide, the sacred secular divide. He is wanting to bring value to the wholeness of humanity. Humanity. He is wanting to put emphasis on our physicality. And we still do this today. We overemphasize the spiritual. Okay, is it, is it going out and feeding the poor or is it hiding ourselves in a prayer room for 24-7? Which is more valuable? Jesus is like, guys, I'm hungry. Okay, what does that mean? It's so mysterious. No, it's not. It means that the physical man matters. It means that the physical body matters. It means I created a physical material world and I married it with a spirit and the two are not separable and that everything that I'm doing in the earth involves both matter and spirit. And in order for you to carry on what I'm asking you to carry on, you need to take care of your physical person. You need to value the physicality of life. You need to value simple things like systems and sleep and diet and exercise and rest. You need to value those things because we can't just damage our bodies and expect that spiritually that's going to be a good thing. They go together. They go together. They work together. Are you guys still with me on this? Here's the fourth thing Jesus said. He said, everything, we need to put these verses up here. Hold on. The fourth thing here in verse 44, he said to them, this is what I told you while I was still with you. Everything must be fulfilled that is written about me in the law of Moses and the prophets and the Psalms. Now, how many of you guys were here on Easter Sunday? Not to call anybody out, okay? But for those of you guys who were here on Easter Sunday, you remember that these same words right here, when, they, when, the, when the women showed up, the two guys in gleaming white, they're like, don't you remember that this is what Jesus told you? You guys remember that? And then Jesus is walking with the two guys at, on the road to Emmaus. And it says that Jesus started with Moses and the prophets. And he explained to them the Christ beginning with Moses and the prophets. Well, what's happening here? Because this is now essentially the third time that the author is referencing. And in one chapter, that's peculiar. It's a clue. It's a hint. Biblical interpretation right before us. What is happening? The author is wanting to reveal to us one of his hidden agendas. And one of Luke's hidden agendas is this, is that the book of Luke was written from this 30,000 foot view beginning with the beginning of humanity till the end to show us that all the events that are taking place in Jesus's life are part of a larger meta-narrative or a grander story. And so Jesus is saying, we're not trying to uh, bring to you something that is discontinuous with the activity of God in the Old Testament with the Jewish people, but that everything that is happening with Jesus is continuous it is continuous of the activity of God, beginning with Adam into Abraham, into the 12 tribes, into Israel, into Moses and the Exodus, into David and the establishment of the Davidic kingdom. Everything that is happening with Jesus. Now, when we look backwards, we go, oh, these are all pointing to Jesus. And this is why three times Jesus is saying, let me take you back to what is written. There is value in what is written in the historical account of the activity of God in the earth 
and in all of humanity, focusing specifically on the people of Israel. But the people of Israel were just a part of a bigger story. And what is that bigger story? Well, it's the fifth thing that Jesus says to them. That bigger story, Jesus reveals right here in his fifth statement, verse 45. He opened their minds so that now when they go back and they read the Old Testament, they can understand the Old Testament in the light of who Jesus is. He opened their minds so that things that were there all along, there's Jesus, there's Jesus, there's Jesus. All of these are pointing to the reality of the fulfillment of these things in Jesus. And now when they read, they're reading with fresh revelation by the Spirit in the light of who Jesus is and in the light of what Jesus did and particularly church in the light of the resurrection. But what is that bigger story? It's right here in verse 46. He told them, this is what is written. The Christ will suffer. He will rise from the dead on the third day. And then he adds to the narrative. This would be what we would consider Luke's commission, commissioning narrative. Every one of the gospel writers has it. We're most familiar with Matthew chapter 28, verse 18 through 20. Go ye into all the world, make disciples of all people, baptizing them. Well, this is Luke's version of that. And it's a little bit different. Let's cue in here. Christ will suffer. He'll rise from the dead on the third day, verse 47. And repentance and forgiveness of sins will be preached in his name to all nations beginning at Jerusalem. And you are witnesses of these things. Now let's go backwards. First thing that Jesus says, peace be to you. Okay. You are witnesses now of a new kind of peace that has been made available to you. Second thing that he says is that God, through the resurrection power of Jesus, that the crucified Christ and the resurrected Christ are one and the same. That God has this way of re-entering into the brokenness and the suffering and the pain of humanity and redeeming it. And he says, you're a witness of that. You are a witness of that. See, listen, every one of you have a, has a story. Every one of us has a place of pain. Every one of us has a place of disappointment and brokenness. Every one of us has a place where things didn't work out the way that we expected it to. But friend, in light of the resurrection, if we will say, God, will you enter my pain with me? And I'm not necessarily asking you to, to, to break the laws of nature, but I am asking you to redeem my pain. And Jesus is saying, you're witnesses of that. The third thing Jesus says was, guys, I'm hungry. I'm a physical person. The resurrected body is unlike anything that you've ever known, but it, it involves this, this unique marriage of the spirit and the physical. And he says, you are a witness of that. You are a witness of the fact that this kingdom is not just a spiritual kingdom. You are a witness of the fact that the work that I'm doing is very physical in nature. It's very tangible. Take care of the created order. You're a witness of this. You're a witness of this. Produce fruit in the land that I've given to you. You're a witness of this. Steward the finances I've given you because you are a witness of this. Show up to your job on time and be a good work. Don't be a spiritual flake because you're a witness of this. Are you with me today? Carry yourself well. Present yourself well because you're a witness of the reality that this kingdom is not just an esoteric spiritual kingdom. You are a witness of this. And then the fourth thing he says is that everything that God has been doing is continuous. That God has been working throughout history and he's been working throughout all of the events of mankind. And he says, you're a witness of this. Know my activity in history. 
become familiar with what I've done in the Old Testament because the two go together. Listen, we're not gonna just disregard the Old Testament. We're not gonna just say, oh, that's old covenant. Some way of kind of justifying, well, I get to do other things over here because this is new covenant. No, no, God has been involved in all of it. And, and find that and find how Jesus is the culmination of the activity of God in the old and be a witness of that. Be a witness of the fact that God is faithful throughout all of the history of humanity. And then he says this. He says, guys, hold on. Jonathan, you can come on up. He says, I'm gonna send you what my father has promised. I'm gonna send you some help. I'm gonna send your helper. I'm gonna give you some power so that you can be a witness of the things that you just heard me say. I'm gonna give you some power to have peace when all hell's breaking loose in your life. But I'm gonna send you power to give you peace to live in the peace of the resurrection, right? And when you're suffering, and remember what I said to you that the resurrected Christ is the same as the suffering Christ, this is what Jesus is saying. He says, I'm gonna give you power to endure and to tap into the resurrection life of God even when you're hurting. And the third thing he says is, listen, the physical world matters. And it's sometimes, sometimes just living out the mundane, monotonous reality of physical life. Guys, that's, I'll be honest with you, sometimes it's easier just to kind of go hocus pocus, right? It's easier. I'm just gonna pray about that. Okay, that's easy. Huh? Wake up at five o'clock. Take care of your body. Eat, eat better. I don't wanna eat, but I wanna pray that's fat away. <laughs> just sha, 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 da, sha, get out of here. I rebuke them fat tails in the Jesus name. I just, okay. No, he said, listen, you need help. You need discipline. You need to walk. And that, guys, listen, that requires power. That requires power. Here's what Jesus said. He says, hold on. I'm gonna give you power to be a witness of the things I've spoken to you. And one of the things I've spoken to you is the physical world matters and you need help, right? Come on, talk to me today, right? Amen, amen. Guys, we're gonna talk more about this help that Jesus announced. He announced the help of the Holy Spirit. And that's not for today. We're gonna to have to practice what the disciples practice and that's wait, wait until this gift comes. Minister the table, you can come forward. But before you do, before we come to this table, I wanna make something very explicit today that has kind of just been hidden all over our service. It's been hidden in our songs, it's been hidden in our prayers. It's even been hidden in my preaching. It's been hidden in the word that we've been saying. And that is this, that God himself has created all of this humanity and it's a good world. It is a good world. It's a beautiful world. It is a world that has been created with good purposes and good intentions. But guys, listen at the culmination, or in other words, like the best of what God created was not the mountains and the oceans and the stars, the galaxies, the universe. The best of what God created was you and me. It was humanity. We're made in his image. We're made in his image. And, and I want you to know something, that whether you know Christ or not, whether you're far from him or you're close to him, whether, whether, whether or not sin has just taken captive of your life, you are still made in the image of God. You are made and you reflect and you reveal and you represent something about the truth of who God is in a way that nobody else can. Scripture says that once sin entered into the world, that mankind, humanity, 
has been searching and trying to find God. And, and we can see that all around us. We can see that either people just reject God or we can see that people make gods of other things like money and jobs and status and position and relationships. Or, or we see that they try to find other avenues to God, try to find hyper-spiritual means and new age mysticism. And maybe it's in rationality and in science or, or, or maybe it's in following other religions of the world. God says, I'm gonna send you someone to reveal the truth about who you are. And I'm gonna send someone to reveal peace to you, peace to your mind, peace to your soul, peace to your relationship with me. His name is Jesus. See, peace is not found in a system, it's found in a person. And it's found in the resurrected person of Jesus Christ. Fred, I don't know where you are today, but I want to announce something to you. I want to announce that that peace is available for you. It's called salvation. It's called entering again into a relationship with the living God by virtue of his son, Jesus, who laid his life down. He said this over and over and over again. The son of God was, was crucified. He was tortured. He was executed. It was all completely unjust. But it was a part of the purpose and the plan of God so that every living human being would have an opportunity to come back into that relationship of peace with God. And right now, I'm gonna ask that all of you guys just take a second and just ask yourself this question right now. Am I at peace with God? Just ask yourself that. Am I at peace with God through Jesus Christ? Just allow the Holy Spirit to speak to your heart right now. Amen, I'm gonna ask all of you to stand to your feet with me this morning. And I want us all just to pray this prayer. It's a prayer of request, but it's also a prayer of declaration. We're gonna pray that this world of peace that Jesus has made available to us through his death, his resurrection, and his ascension. We're gonna pray that we would enter into that peace and receive that peace of life in God. Will you pray this with me? Heavenly Father, by faith, I believe that Jesus is who you say he is. He's the son of God. He laid his life down. He resurrected from the dead to bring me peace. And Father, I receive your peace. Would you forgive me of all my sin? Would you receive me into your family? In Jesus' name, amen. I wanna invite you to come and celebrate this new life, this new life, this new kingdom. And I declare over you, peace be unto you, friend. The resurrection has begun and the kingdom of God has come and it is coming until he comes again. Come to this table and rejoice in this world of peace. Let us come and partake. Thank you for listening to the Antioch Church Sermon of the Week. For more information about us, visit AntiochCOS.com.